Senior Lesson 405, Paul's Recommendations to the Philippians. Bible texts are taken from Philippians 1 1 7, 27 30, and Philippians 2 1 30. Memory verse Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Philippians 2 3. Notes. Paul's concern for and his exhortations to this Philippian church sprang from a heart of concern, just as a father has for his children. This church had its beginning in the conversion of Lydia, the seller of purple. Paul had a vision in the night of a man of Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. He believed this was of the Lord and immediately left Troas to go into Macedonia, where Lydia became Europe's first convert to Christianity and the beginning of the church there Acts 16 9-15. The young woman with the spirit of divination was soon healed and converted, as was the Philippian jailer and his family. No doubt these few people made up the nucleus of this body of believers. This epistle was written from Rome while Paul was imprisoned there. Salutation. Paul salutes the saints in Philippi, as well as the bishops and deacons, indicating that the church there was well organized and prosperous. Every time his thoughts turned to them he rejoiced because of the work God had done among them. He had confidence that God would finish the work that he had started. His prayers could be prayers of thanksgiving and praise because of the fellowship he enjoyed with the saints at Philippi. True fellowship in the gospel is not based on persons being at the same place at the same time, but it is a spiritual relationship. The people who are one with God and obey his word, has fellowship with God and with God's people. Steadfastness. Paul's advice to the Philippian Christians was that their conversation, or their conduct be a credit to the gospel of Christ. He knew that some men would profess to be Christians whose lives would prove otherwise. He did not want them to depend upon his presence, but whether he was present or absent, they would be living testimonies to the keeping power there is in the gospel. It has been true down through the ages that some have followed God quite faithfully, when they had strong spiritual leaders over them but when the leaders were gone their faith faltered. God wants us to stand even if we stand alone. There may come a time in our lives when we will be far away from the best of Christian influence, but may it be said of us also that we stand fast in the faith. The very fact that the Christian does not retaliate under persecution may seem an indication of weakness to the adversaries of the gospel. But to stand still and see God work for us is the victory. Even in times of persecution or trial our part is not to fight back, but to remember that the word says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Luke 18 7-8. We read in the text that suffering for his sake is as much a part of the gospel as believing on him. Paul knew whereof he spoke, for he had suffered many things, and even then was a prisoner in Rome. Unity. The Christian's warfare is fought on a different plane from what the natural man would think. In the estimation of the worldly person, Humility would not win many battles. In the business world of everyday commerce, man is expected to radiate self-confidence and his own ability. Paul's purpose was not to teach lessons in daily commerce, but a far more important lesson of dwelling together in unity in the fellowship of the Spirit. The lessons he taught them we take for our lessons today and apply them to our fellowship in our church. Even at the hazard of having the worldly wise out bargain us. 
We must live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Strife or vainglory has no place in the Christian, but he is to esteem his brother better than himself. He is to be concerned about his brother and not to be always arranging things to his own advantage. His brother's gain and welfare is of great importance to him. Mind of Christ. Christ is our example. He left all in heaven and made himself of no reputation came to earth, and lived and died that we might have life. We are to follow by applying all that we have to the furthering of the gospel that men may be saved. Our reputation, our chance for fame or fortune, we must gladly set aside that we might be used of God in reaching the lost. The one who is hungry for God will see in the humble servant of the cross the beauty of Jesus and will be attracted to him by the Spirit of God. The man who has no thought of God nor concern for his own soul may count the Christian as the offscouring of the earth but such was the fate of the apostles. Whether men hear or forbear the instructions, the word of God is the Christian's chart and compass, by which he lives, and which guides him to eternity. Christ exalted, God has exalted his Son and given him a name above every name. Isaiah the prophet spoke of that wonderful name when he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Might God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 6. Every name that can be applied to God, as deity, can also be applied to his son Jesus. He was with the Father in the creation and we read, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, John 1 3. Every knee will bow to Jesus someday. They who bow to him now and let him receive them and be their savior obtain his salvation. But there is coming a time when all who have failed to bow will yet have to do so to the glory of God but it will be after all hope of salvation has passed. To honor the Son and to worship Him is to honor God, and to refuse to honor Him is to dishonor the Father also. The tendency in many circles seems to be to downgrade Jesus the Son of God. Some deny His divinity, and in doing so they deny themselves any hope of eternal salvation. There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. Jesus Christ was no imposter. He declared himself to be the resurrection and the life. Our hope of salvation rests upon his divinity and upon the truth of God's word. If one allows himself to entertain a doubt about any part of the Bible, he may soon lose all faith he has in any part of it. The King James Version of the Bible is the best translation that has been offered to the English-speaking world and is still our best hope of finding our way from earth to glory. The Revised Standard Version of the Bible was edited by men, most of whom entertained doubts as to the divinity of Jesus, and we know that such doubts would not lead one toward heaven, but would close the door forever in his face. Jesus is the door, and if we cannot find him, what hope would there be of our salvation? The very same persons who today deny the virgin birth of Jesus or his divinity, will one day bow their knees and confess him, but that will come too late for salvation. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. The very fact that the Christian does not retaliate under persecution, may seem an indication of weakness to the adversaries of the gospel. But to stand still and see God work for us is the victory. Even in times of persecution or trial our part is not to fight back. 
but to remember that the word says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Luke 18 7-8. We read in the text that suffering for his sake is as much a part of the gospel as believing on him. Paul knew whereof he spoke, for he had suffered many things, and even then was a prisoner in Rome. Unity. The Christian's warfare is fought on a different plane from what the natural man would think. In the estimation of the worldly person, humility would not win many battles. In the business world of everyday commerce, man is expected to radiate self-confidence in his own ability. Paul's purpose was not to teach lessons in daily commerce, but a far more important lesson of dwelling together in unity in the fellowship of the Spirit. The lessons he taught them we take for our lessons today and apply them to our fellowship in our church. Even at the hazard of having the worldly wise out bargain us, we must live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Strife or vainglory has no place in the Christian, but he is to esteem his brother better than himself. He is to be concerned about his brother and not to be always arranging things to his own advantage. His brother's gain and welfare is of great importance to him. Mind of Christ. Christ is our example. He left all in heaven and made himself of no reputation came to earth, and lived and died that we might have life. We are to follow by applying all that we have to the furthering of the gospel that men may be saved, our reputation, our chance for fame or fortune. We must gladly set aside that we might be used of God in reaching the lost. The one who is hungry for God will see in the humble servant of the cross the beauty of Jesus, and will be attracted to him by the Spirit of God. The man who has no thought of God nor concern for his own soul may count the Christian as the offscouring of the earth, but such was the fate of the apostles. Whether men hear or forbear the instructions, the word of God is the Christian's chart and compass, by which he lives, and which guides him to eternity. Christians as lights. The apostle says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. This would indicate that the Christian is to be a person of action. He is to do things not that he stirs up or looks for controversy, but he stands for the truth. To remain inactive or to fail to let his light shine to avoid opposition would be cowardly compromise. The more vile and sinful the surroundings, the more dire the need for the light. By obeying the injunctions of this lesson we will be lights that penetrate the darkness around us, and we will be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. If we had to shut ourselves behind some great wall to keep from being polluted with the sins of this world, what hope would the world have of seeing the light of the gospel through us? Rather, Jesus has left us to occupy until he comes back to earth again. He has gone to heaven and we are left here to shine for him. When he was here he declared himself to be the light of the world, and now that he is at the right hand of the Father, we are his lights shining in this world. Many people have ruined their testimony and even lost their soul after having been used of the Lord. They did not keep themselves in the love of God 
nor did they obey his word. They murmured, they complained, they disputed in direct violation of what the Lord has told them to do. We are free moral agents and have the power of choice all the days of our lives. If we choose to obey the Lord he will make us to shine more and more unto that perfect day. Messengers sent. Paul, being imprisoned in Rome, was unable to visit these Christians whom he loved so dearly. He sent Timothy and Epaphroditus. They had proved their worth and faithfulness. They helped Paul bear the burden of the gospel work in those days. Even at that early date Paul said that he had no other who stood with him, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. What a responsibility rests upon Christians to stand true to the Lord and be faithful. If men fail, God has no other plan. May the reader, if he is a Christian, take the exhortation to heart to be able to shine as a light in this world. And to the unsaved, may these wonderful words of the Apostle Paul cause a hunger to spring up in your heart. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5 6.